This podcast is brought to you by AJ Bell and Shares Magazine. Shares Magazine is published by AJ Bell Media, part of AJ Bell. Hi, welcome back to another episode of Money and Markets. I'm Laura from AJ Bell and with me is Dan from Shares. Hi, yeah. This week, we're going to take a deeper look into how people's personal finances have been affected by the coronavirus crisis so far. And we've got an interview all about debt and one person's experience of getting into debt and her journey to try and get out of it, including documenting it all on social media. So we saw some quite interesting figures out this week showing that some people are getting their finances in order during the lockdown and paying off debt, um, which is very encouraging. So, so Laura, what do these figures show? Yeah, so these are figures from the Bank of England. So rather than them being from one bank, they look across the nation. Um, And they show that in April, um, which is our first kind of full month of lockdown, people repaid 7.4 billion of debt, which was a record. Um, So normally what we see is people paying off a bit of debt and then other people taking out more debt each month and you get kind of a a balanced figure. So in April... um, that was 7.4 billion and that included 5 billion that was paid off in credit card debt. So we'd already seen a spike in March um, where the lockdown meant that people were saving a bit of money and they were choosing to pay off debt. And so in March we saw 2.4 billion paid off on credit cards. So then that more than doubled in April. It's quite interesting because you'd think that um, just sort of even a few weeks or, or a month or something that People will think, okay, yeah, fair enough. I've got a bit of spare cash here, but um, you know, perhaps um, it's really difficult. I, I deserve a treat uh, for being stuck in my house all the time. You know, I think it, I would have expected people to perhaps spend money rather than saved it or, or, or put it put it off to use the credit cards. But you know, ultimately, it's a good thing, isn't it? To, to anything to get that debt down. Yeah, I think it's a real combination of things, and. Um, one thing that's definitely worth pointing out is that these are average figures, so there's going to be lots of differences depending on your household and your circumstances. But, um, yeah, I think it's really interesting that I think lots of people are saving money in terms of not having to pay for their commute or perhaps their childcare costs have gone down, which is um, a big outgoing for lots of people. Or you're just simply spending a bit less where you would have been going to the pub and going to restaurants and going to the theatre and cinema and things like that. You're not doing that. And so I think lots of people are using that to pay off their debt. I think there's also a lot of nervousness about what's coming next in the economy. I mean, we've heard lots of talk already about the fact that the UK is headed for a recession and that that might be one of the worst recessions we've seen. And I think people are really nervous about the impact that that's going to have on their jobs and on their income. And so they're thinking... Okay, well, I've got some spare money at the moment, so I should use it wisely and sensibly to either save it or pay off debt um, rather than than splurge it. Obviously, there are some other people that have been just non-stop online shopping and splurging their money. But (laughs) But there's some there's a bit of research that Aviva has done trying to look at what we've been actually been doing during the lockdown. Um, And they reckon that if you if you take into account buying extra stuff like tea and coffee and chocolate, uh, perhaps taking out one of those subscriptions to Netflix or one of the other streaming providers. They think they probably added around 6% to the average household weekly spending. But you then have to factor in how much you've actually been saving because you haven't, like you, like you said earlier, there's things that we haven't been doing like 
we haven't been going to get a haircut or or going to a trip to the to the cinema or something like that. So that so they they think that the average weekly spending on the on that sort of stuff is down by thirty five percent, which which kind of gives you a net saving of twenty nine percent. So so nearly a third has been knocked off your your sort of normal spending patterns. So that, that that really does show how we've had this capacity to to look at things like paying off credit card debt. Yeah, definitely. And I think that probably um, would tally with a lot of people out there. I mean, I know personally I'm definitely spending more on food shopping and supermarket shopping, but that's probably because I'm eating out less and I'm not get, buying my lunch from Pret at work and things like that. Um, and also my chocolate consumption has probably increased dramatically. <laughs> um, but I'm not spending money on all those things that you just mentioned. So going out, haircuts, my beloved holidays. Um, so I think what was interesting as well, so we did some um, research uh, where we went out and asked people kind of how their spending habits have changed. And what I thought was interesting was lots of people, so I think half of the people said that they've been able to um, sorry, 70% of people have been able to save money so far in lockdown. But then we looked at the number of people that had been furloughed and we looked at their ability to save and 93% of people that had been furloughed had still been able to save money, which I think is really interesting. So it shows those people had obviously taken a hit to their finances. Now, some of them might have seen their income topped up by um, their employers. So obviously the government covers 80% up to a cap um, and some employers can top that up. So those people that are furloughed might not have seen a hit to their income, but some people will have done. But even with that 20% fall, um, lots of them have still been able to save money for all of those costs being cut that we talked about. Uh, it, perhaps it suggests that we are buying too many things, we own too many possessions and um you know, post lockdown, if, if if we try and return to normal life, perhaps people will, will take another look at what what exactly that they spend their money on, and um, there's there's clearly things that perhaps we, we don't really need. So, um, I guess the flip side to that is that there will be some retailers, um, some leisure companies who might suffer as a result if we do change our our habits. Yeah, because ultimately, from an economic point of view, when we are fully out of lockdown and, and things are open and shops are open, we need people to go out and spend their money um, so that we, uh, so that the economy recovers more rapidly. So I guess there's kind of a pro and con to that. On the one hand, you don't want to waste money, but on the other hand, the economy needs to thrive. But I do think it's worth pointing out, so we're talking about all these people that have the ability to save money, but I think what we've got at the moment is quite a basically a split nation you've got those people that are still on full pay they're able to work from home they haven't been furloughed or they're coping okay on furlough money and they're saving money um, and then on the other hand you've got people that have already lost their jobs or perhaps were only just getting by before and are now not coping um, just on furlough money um, and so we've also in that research that we did we also saw that people have already had to dip into their savings just to pay for things like bills and rent and mortgage um, and that a fifth of the people that responded to it have already taken on debt in order just to pay for their essentials so pay for the food shop or for bills so I think you've got a real divide in the nation among those people that are that are doing okay and actually seeing that they're saving money and those people 
where their finances have been hit harder or were more precarious beforehand and and are definitely struggling a bit more yeah so but you know as the furlough scheme is sort of gently withdrawn that's going to be a real test on people's finances particularly if you know, if companies sort of find out that demand is not bouncing back as fast as they perhaps hoped it would you know there is a risk here of, of of more people losing their jobs. So I guess anything people can do now to just take a look at their finances, make sure they've got some spare cash you know, as an emergency, because we really just don't know what is going to be happening next. So given that the current crisis is likely to see a spike in some people's borrowing levels, we thought it would be useful to get someone on the podcast to share their experience of dealing with mountains of debt. So debt's an issue that faces a lot of people and it's been put in focus by the current crisis and the impact that it's already having on people's finances. Claire Seal decided to make public her journey of getting out of the £27,000 of debt she'd gotten into by setting up the My Frugal Year Instagram account to share with others her journey through paying off debt and quickly had thousands of people following her. She's now written a book called Real Life Money, An Honest Guide to Taking Control of Your Finances. So thanks a lot for joining us, Claire. Yeah, no problem. Thanks for having me. And so I guess the obvious place to start is why did you decide to tell the world about your debt and, and the debt you got into? Well, I mean, my, my Instagram account was anonymous for just over a year, actually. Um, so when I first set it up, um, I didn't share my name. I just I was at a real sort of breaking point with my relationship with money um, and it, it felt almost too much for me to hold in by myself or too much for me to, you know, only speak to my husband about because obviously we're in this situation together um, and I, like a lot of other people, didn't feel like it was something I could talk to my friends and family about at that point. Um, you know, various people had like a bit of an inclination, but I don't think anybody, including us, really had, um, you know, sort of figured out that it was quite as um, quite as big a problem as it was. Um, but when I first set up the Instagram account, I expected to get maybe like a couple of dozen followers who might shout at me if I spent too much money. I, I definitely didn't foresee it turning into sort of the community that it is now and obviously um definitely definitely in my wildest dreams didn't imagine writing a book about the matter um but what happened when I started to talk about the debt and not only sort of the the financial side of it not just the numbers what was actually going on in my head and the fact that I was having to deal with kind of the shame from some of the mistakes that I'd made some of the sort of judgment that there is out there about financial difficulty um and they're sort of two sides of the same coin really the shame you feel internally and the judgment that exists um externally um it just seemed to really resonate with people and very quickly you know I had quite a big following and people were messaging me with their own stories of, you know, difficult relationships with money, whether that was debt or whether it was, you know, completely on the opposite side of that. People who 
are almost like addicted to saving and terrified to ever spend any money um so yeah it's been a real whirlwind year and I'm interested in um how you got into debt in the first place was it kind of one event that that caused it um or like losing your job for example or something like that or was it kind of a series of smaller things it was an accumulation of things so basically I think I had gone into my sort of money life if you like you know when you when I left university and started work or maybe even before that you know when I started university and sort of ticked the box for the two grand overdraft and the student account credit card and um, without really thinking about it I just di- had this difficult relationship with money already where you know some people I think go into life with uh, you know an idea of how to live within their means and a certain attitude towards earning and spending money but I didn't have those um, and I think the reasons for that for most people are myriad you know it's sort of like your natural your natural character and inclination your um you know your parents the way that things were with money in your family whether or not you had any school education around money um and just sort of your your attitudes in general um but yeah I, I I never had an idea really of what my means were or how to live within them um and so I I started off on kind of the back foot with that but then it was you know an accumulation of some quite big life milestones so I had my first uh child when I was 25 which is young by today's standards I'd only been working for just over a year um, and then I got married, then I had another baby. Um, and then when I was on my second maternity leave, certainly, if not before then, uh, the sort of pressure and comparison of social media really was a source of kind of emotional spending for me. And I think because we already had a lot of debt at that point, uh, 20 quid here and there feels like a bit of a drop in the ocean and I think that's the kind of snowball effect or the spiral that you risk getting trapped in if you have a significant amount of debt and you feel like you've sort of defined yourself as bad with money which I always had um so very much kind of a combination of things and a cumulative effect um until it got to a real sort of fork in the road I suppose of do I want life to continue like this or do I address this now and really get to the bottom of it and was there a particular thing that kind of prompted you to that point was it reaching a particular figure was there a particular kind of event in your life that that made you realize that you needed to kind of add it all up and and face the debt that you'd got it was the pressure I would say had been mounting for a while um you know I'd I'd had a second maternity leave on statutory pay and my husband and I actually uh did shared parental leave and it was sort of on the promise that when I went back to work I would have a a pay review and that that would sort of even things out but that didn't happen um so it was 
really at quite a critical uh, point then. And then um, I, it, it was March 2019. Um, it was halfway through the month and um, on I had two current accounts and on one of them I was in an unarranged overdraft. Um, and I knew the phone call was coming. Um, I spoke to the advisor and she asked, you know, when I would be able to bring it back within the agreed limit. And I, I, I had reached the end of the rope. I had no more small amounts of money that I could juggle from one account to another to just plug the gaps, which is what I'd been doing for a really long time. And I just realised in that moment that something was going to have to give. And I think one of the things I would say is that the advisor from HSBC was so kind to me and she, you know, whether or not she was like judging me in her head, she didn't display any judgment. She refunded some charges that I'd had on the account that just about brought me to within my limit. And I think that combination of realising that there was no more, that there was no more road left uh, and also realising that sometimes people will help you and that it's not that scary to talk to the bank about these things because there are things that they can do uh, really was the sort of moment where I thought this, you know, this is the moment where everything changes and you, you've talked previously and kind of on your Instagram account and in your book about the fact that your friends and family, some of those people that were closest to you, didn't realise the financial situation that you were in, which I imagine resonates with a lot of people in that, that we don't really talk about money, either the good or the bad. Um, but why why do you think that still is? And also, I guess, what have you learnt from, from telling people and from going public with your level of debt about um, what people should do if they are keeping it secret still? I think it's really, really natural to want to keep this to yourself because um, I think m money has connotations that we don't even realise. And I, you know, as I sort of came to terms with all of this and started speaking to people, I realised that actually what I was really scared of was that people would think less of me, that, you know, my husband's family would think that it was all my fault and that I didn't deserve him, that my family would think less of me as, you know, uh, a daughter, sister, mother, um, you know, and, 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 or that people would feel sorry for me, that I, you know, I'd have to put up with being patronised. Um, and I think especially if you know that you're quite bright uh, and, you know, it's uh, also like, especially if you're quite good at, you know, maths, because it, this isn't just about, it's not just about the numbers. Um, it can feel, you know, really like you should have known better. And I think a lot of people feel like that. So um, I really understand that. But I think, you know, for me, I just 
I opened up to people really messily, you know, here and there and sort of conversations that it's much easier to have if you're like walking or in the car where you don't have to look at the other person you know you don't have to have that intensity of sitting across the table from them and doing a big like confessional um I think really helps um so uh, I just did it in bits and pieces like to my group of very close friends I sent like a group text just basically like sharing everything about about what was going on um and not really giving any room for them to ask questions sort of you know and when I read it back now it really reads like sort of this is this is a situation but I'm still the same person please don't pity me please don't hate me please still treat me the same um and so I think there are an any number of ways that you can communicate with people um, and you sort of have to tailor that to what's going to help you the most Um, and also I think you know if you if you have a partner who you live with or have children with or are married to and they don't know about it that's a slightly different situation because I think you really do have an obligation to tell them Um, And that's something that's really difficult uh, and not something that I really had to do uh, because my husband and I were both sort of equally aware and equally had our heads in the sand about this. Um, But, you know, in terms of your wider friends and family, really don't have to tell them if you don't want to. You know, if you if you feel you need to because uh, you have borrowed money from them or because you feel like maybe they might be able to help you in the short term uh, or you just need that outlet or you need to explain to your friends why you can't go out for Friday night drinks or why you can't go on like a girl's holiday then that's fine but you don't owe anybody else an explanation most of the time. And we're obviously nationally in the middle of this um, crisis at the moment and we've already seen that people have been furloughed from their jobs or they've even lost their jobs or people have had to have taken a cut to income, particularly people that are kind of self-employed or freelance. Um, And and the kind of wider economic situation doesn't look so bright either. So with all of that, um, it's likely that we're going to see more people relying on debt or already will have had done. So have you have you heard from people already that that's the case? And I guess what advice would you have for people that feel like they have no option but to take on debt just to kind of get by at the moment? Yeah, I mean, I've heard from people in all kinds of situations, I think. and And this is the thing to note with the with the pandemic obviously we've got this what what's sort of seeming more and more certain to be a looming huge recession uh which you know none of us know what the result of that's going to be for our own personal situation but with with uh lockdown it's affected people in very different ways. You know, some people are actually still working from home on a full salary and they're saving loads of money on commuting and socialising and going out shopping. Um, Some people are furloughed on 80% and and still doing okay uh, because of the the balance. Some people are furloughed and finding that 20% 
actually they were just getting by before on their full salary. Some people are self-employed and have completely lost their income. Some people have been made redundant um, and completely lost their income. So I've heard from people in all kinds of situations, from people who are better off to people who now have completely lost all of their income. Um, and I think it was in one of your articles, actually, uh, you know, read that 11 million people in the UK have already taken on extra debt um, since the start of the pandemic, you know, and that's sort of a, a sixth of the population, uh, which is, you know, a, a lot of people, obviously. Um, and what I would say is that, you know, for some people that that will if you were maybe trying to pay off some debt and now you find you've had to take steps backwards um, or if you're someone who's never had debt before, never had an overdraft or a credit card, maybe that's also really terrifying. Um, but what I would really urge is not to let this, not to let this situation that you've essentially been forced into um, because I think that's quite important as well uh, is to not not blame yourself for not having had you know a six month emergency fund to fall back on because nobody in the public saw this coming um not to in not to sort of let that debt become part of what you think about yourself or your feeling of self-worth because I I definitely did that for a really long time and all it will do is make you not want to think about it, make you sort of bury your head in the sand and potentially sort of perpetuate that debt or financial difficulty for far longer than it needs to last. Um, and also just not not to be too proud or too embarrassed to access the help that is available to you. I think, you know, the schemes that are in place, there are a lot of there are a lot of cracks that a lot of people fall through. But um, you know, if you're someone who's entitled to universal credit um and you don't want to do that because of the the stigma that's attached to to universal credit, um, you know, because of shows about benefit fraud and, you know, the rhetoric around people just living off the state. Um, and not contributing anything, um, then, you know, d don't allow that to stop you accessing the help that you're entitled to. And I guess that's a good place to um, to kind of offer some advice. So if someone is in debt at the moment um, and they want to take some positive action, what, where are the best places to start, either in terms of resources or in terms of things that you can just do yourself at, at home to help address the situation? I think the first thing that anybody needs to do uh, is to make sure that you know the exact numbers, know what interest you're paying, all of that stuff. That's sort of the scary bit, especially if you're someone who's been afraid to check their balances uh, for a while, as I was. Yeah, so what once you know the numbers, um, A, they sort of can't wake you up in the middle of the night with that horrible anxiety of sort of not knowing if your direct debits are going to bounce the next day or, you know, all of that stuff. Um, but B, you're sort of in a position to actually start making some material changes. And I think 
what you have to do then is look at what your income is, look at what your outgoings are. Uh, you know, if you've got enough left over after your fixed outgoings, you can reprioritize that to pay off your debt by cutting out some, you know, excess expenses, making better spending decisions, um, you know, cancelling or pausing subscriptions, stuff like that. Um, but if your budget's telling you that you've got more going out than you've got coming in or that the margin is just too narrow for you to work with, then you can get in contact with Step Change or Christians Against Poverty um, who are charities. Like, please don't get in contact with anyone like Aunt Meg or any of these um, ads that come up on Facebook after you start Googling things around debt because um, they're, they're very predatory. Um, and you can get all of that help for free from a charity like Step Change or CAP. Um, but, you know, they they can arrange things like a debt management plan or an IVA or bankruptcy. But you don't, you know, you don't have to commit to anything like that straight away. You can just talk to them um, and get advice from them and get the information that you might need. Um, so I think that's that's really where to start. Um, and they can also those charities can provide a really great uh, sort of sounding board and listening service if you do feel like you can't talk to anybody else in your life about this. Um, so they are they're brilliant resources. Um, and, you know, if the former is true and you just there is space in your budget, but you just need to be making better decisions and to change your mindset then, um, you know, sort of doing things like analysing your past spending um, and, you know, changing your um, utility services to something uh, cheaper. All of those little tips that we could probably all stand to follow um, will really help you to make a, a material change because the the more you're paying in excess of your minimum repayment, the more you're really knocking debt off the kind of capital um, balance that you owe. And one of the really simple um, bits of advice that was on your Instagram that I thought might be helpful for some people is is simply just calling your bank up and saying, um, that you might be having some problems repaying and seeing if there are any kind of fees they can refund, if there's a lower interest rate they can put you on, if there's any options there. And I think you had some success there, didn't you, in terms of waiving some costs? Yes, definitely. Um, I mean, this is something that I try and bring up every now and again because I think there's a real... Uh, I think there's a real fear around speaking to your bank or speaking to your credit card company. Um, and some of them are far more receptive than others. You know, I definitely I had six, seven credit cards when I first um, started out. And some some companies are more receptive and more supportive than others. But I think in phoning up and just saying, you know, you, you don't have to demand certain things but it's a really good idea before you call them to have sort of written down an idea of what you want to say and also um what you'd like to get out of the conversation um but just saying you know I've got a large balance I'm paying high interest um I, I'm finding that I'm not repaying the 
the capital balance as quickly as I would like to. Is there anything that you can offer me in terms of a reduction in interest rates or um, uh, an, a grace period on my interest? You know, lots of people have lots of success with that. I've had people who follow me have their interest rate slashed from like 25.9% to 6% by one company, which, you know, if you think if you've got a balance of £10,000, that's going to massively increase your capacity to repay that quickly. Um, as for me, you know, I had t uh, three months of interest frozen on one of my higher balances, which made a huge difference in the chunk that I was able to to repay for that time. Um, so I think, you know, that you can only really gain by that discourse as long as you're willing to sort of accept that sometimes you don't get the result that you that you would like and so where are you at um personally now so when you started out and you set up the instagram account um i think you had twenty seven thousand pounds worth of debt how, how kind of how far through repaying that and and getting back to zero are you we're just over £10,000 down, um, so we're down in the sort of 16,000s now. Um, and I think it's sort of an important thing to note if you're, if you're paying back debt that's incurring interest is that um, the lower your balance is, the quicker you can pay it back, so the less interest you're paying. Um, but it it feels, you know, obviously we've still got a way to go. And I think it's one of the things that I feel is quite important is that I sort of carry on talking about this, uh, even though, you know, we, we still have debt that we're repaying because I, I don't I don't want to lose that connection to how it feels to feel very financially precarious. Um, because I think that's that's part of what quite a lot of people have connected to on the Instagram account. Um, and, you know, I think it's sometimes very difficult to engage with content from someone who's either never been in the position that you're in or who was there a while ago, but is now over the hump and on the other side of it, um, because I think it can feel quite intimidating um, but yeah, we're we're on our way there, and I think the the big difference for me is that, you know, apart from the actual, um, you know, difference in the amount of money that we owe, is that everything feels very much in control, and there's the plan, and I'm not scared to check my bank balance, and I'm not worried about, you know, I'm no longer sort of worried about whether or not my card's going to get declined um at the supermarket so it's the that that sort of ten thousand pounds difference is quite representative of really big shift um for us um thank you so much for talking to us about that so we really appreciate it thank you for having me it's been really um it's been really great to chat so thank you ever so much for listening this week. So for those wondering why we didn't touch on any stock market issues, fear not, we'll be back next week with all the important stuff on stocks and more. Uh, so for now, if you've got any feedback, or suggestions for future things you'd like us to talk about or anyone you'd like us to interview, 
just drop us a line at podcast at ajbell.co.uk. Thanks very much. Thank you. Before you go, please remember this podcast is for educational purposes and the views expressed don't necessarily reflect those of AJ Bell or Shares Magazine. The podcast isn't telling you whether certain investments are suitable or not. And don't forget that the value of investments can change and you can lose money as well as make it. It's also important to remember that tax rules apply and that the way an investment performed in the past may not be the same as how it behaves in the future. If you want help, go see a qualified financial advisor.